Hello, this is Peter Davison. You're listening to Gallifrey Public Radio. Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up. Welcome to episode 512 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where we've gotten over a year's worth of talking points in four hours of content. I'm Haley. I'm Jay. I'm Julie. And I'm Kier. This week, it's time to get everyone back in the studio to figure out what we've learned and what we haven't from the four Doctor Who specials that were broadcast in 2023. With the fanfare around the return of Russell T. Davies as showrunner, David Tennant and Catherine Tate as feature stars, and the arrival of Shudi Gatwa as the newest Doctor, fans had a lot of expectations. Depending on who or whom, whomst? Depending on who you ask, those expectations were neared, met, or even exceeded. From the nostalgia to the effects, from the guest stars to the plot twist, the four specials were a buffet table of fan topics. Now, the specials have the level of splashy showmanship, production polish, and blending of the familiar and the new that we'd expect from RTD. But let's be clear, this is not the Davies era of Doctor Who that we had in the aughts. And there were cheers, and there were tears, and because YouTube will let virtually anyone upload anything, yes, there were some jeers. But for what is essentially that year's season of broadcast material, we have plenty as a fan podcast to work with. We started with the special that brought everything crashing to earth after finding out that David Tennant was back, and no one knew why. The Star Beast, directed by Rachel Talalay. Then the second special put our two friends at the literal edge of everything with Wild Blue Yonder, directed by Tom Kingsley. The culmination point of the 60th Specials trilogy brought us to The Giggle, directed by Chanya Button. And finally, given the dazzling arrival of 15, we set off on his first adventure, which we most recently unwrapped in The Church on Ruby Road, directed by Mark Tondurai. So... Uh, how did these episodes deal with one of the biggest things dropped on us in the Chibnall area, uh, the Timeless Child? I think it was a second special. It was Wild Blue Yonder where we first got the got reference to it. Yeah, yeah, and it and it at that point it was just kind of a eh, I'm just gonna leave this little dog ear on the page so that you know this is where I pulled it from, and it didn't really have a whole lot of bearing. But by the time you get into the giggle, it genuinely did yeah and then uh, i mean no yeah the the church of ruby road it's basically addressed like direct head on with the doctor saying yeah no i was adopted i came from somewhere else kind of thing <laughs> don't don't know my parents yeah yeah <laughs> for sure that's uh it was more than i expected for sure yeah Agreed. I thought when we got the the little like name check basically in the Wild Blue Yonder, that was going to be it. That was going to be uh, that was going to be Davies saying, "Yep, no, it's it happened. I'm recognizing it as as quote unquote Doctor Who canon, whatever the hell that means at, at any given point." <laughs> but that was that was all I expected to happen, and then it came back again, and then it came back again. So I I'm not sure if he is done with it. Or if this is going to be uh, something that he carries forward with it. Agreed. I feel like with the storyline we're going to see with Ruby, that it, it might be something that we explore further for both of them as they learn f and support each other through hopefully this season that will come up eventually. I had a theory about this. The the more I thought about it and the more I was seeing people reacting to the you know the everything that's been teed up with uh with Ruby's 
backstory, which we'll get to that in a moment. But it was also connected to the fact that at the end of the giggle, it sort of seemed as if 15 was serving as that sounding board and sort of ad hoc therapist in a way for 14 to say, you know, you're going to work through this. You know, it's sort of you're empowered to do so. We're going to give you the time and the space that you need to work things out. So it sort of set 15's persona to be this very listening, empathetic type. And if Ruby is the the in-your-face mystery at the moment, then maybe that's something that her arc is sort of working that through. And the doctor never really has to do much more than just say, you know, I'm speaking to you from a from a familiar place and i'm not going to get into my mess and my business but know that i have the capacity to be able to empathize with you and and help you see this through whether it's to to a good result or to something uh, that fails to meet your expectations what about the uh <laughs> what about the the bombshell that was dropped on us and the shaking things up of the the by generation how are we feeling about that one I thought it was a really clever way to allow some overlap of the doctors. And I felt like it was a really fun surprise that none of us were sure how that regeneration was going to go and that we got to see it not just at the end as a capstone, but something in the middle of and then get to play with both of them together on the screen, I think was really fun. It's a different way of doing a multi-doctor story than we've ever seen. And it leaves the door open to get more of more than one doctor that we love in a way that we've never had before. And I think it's really hard to judge what it means until we see what they do with it. But I'm interested to see what they do with it. I mean, it leaves a a, a clear doormat out for miniseries or spinoff material if they wanted to do something that was less necessarily uh, out there edge of the universe kind of adventure with the doctor and donna but something maybe more mundane which is equally entertaining and we could have you know the you know the noble family and we're just you know gonna uh, or i'm sorry the temple family (laughs) no you had it right the first time the no the noble temple family But it's the the idea of of taking that oh th- this was just a myth or or nobody believed that this was was really uh, a possible thing and saying yeah but it's happening and and almost breaking the fourth wall to do so um, kind of feels it, it it sparks two things in my mind one it says that they're continuing to play on the fringes of what this show has tinkered with for decades, you know, keeps reinventing itself, but it keeps adding layers of, yeah, but what if this kind of thing was possible and just make it weirder and weirder in order to keep it fresh. But then there's also the the aspect of uh, putting it in so that it, um, so that it connects to Jay, what you were saying about the, the, again, Wobble Yonder, which we didn't think was going to be as, as, uh, as, as pivotal as it turned out to be the putting the superstition out there and seeing whether there is a, a, a repercussions more than just Mavity. Mavity is the most important thing, though. Well, yes. I it's mean, one of the fundamental laws of the universe. Right. And as everybody knows from those bands in the 90s, Mavity kills. But the point is that if this allows for now that we've got goblins in the Christmas special, you know, and we're bringing fantasy into it, now, like straight up fantasy instead of even pseudoscience. And, 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 you know, the counting the salt and the supernatural aspects. And now we've got something where we're, we're taking what was potentially a, a Gallifreyan myth and it can now happen because that line has been blurred between what is imagined and what is because of that error in judgment. Yeah. Um, that, that could be a season arc right there. That's what I was just about to say is I, I think that that superstition at the end of the universe opened the door for a lot of potential storylines or effects of things that have have some opportunity to see how they play out and how we might we might or might not have some kind of curve back into itself with is there a split timeline is there something else that will kind of button at the other end 
and we're not quite sure, which I think is really fun because of seeing a showrunner be able to put some of those either Easter eggs when we look back or just clues that we don't know yet are clues until we get there. And we can point back to it and say, oh, remember when, which then mm-hmm. kind of brings you back around to, hey, I want to do a rewatch because I didn't realize that all of this has now played into it later on. Well, that was the that was the tail end of my potshot theory was that in some way this addresses the the um, owning or, or or taking ownership of the timeless child and the flux because one thing that wasn't really touched upon at all except for the one line that tenant gives again in wild blue yonder was the destruction of half the universe and so is nobody noticing the fact that this has happened, um, you know, and, and all the fallout for that. Does this allow us some at some point over the season or seasons to come to find a way to to dovetail that so that it it corrects the the repercussions? It doesn't retcon it, but it like dovetails it. It heals it, like instead of making it so it never happened, it heals what was done. Um, right, possibly. But- Aside from the emotional repercussions for the doctor, what would that mean for the viewer though? Like there's really – we get that, okay, half of the universe was destroyed, but that really doesn't mean anything to us as viewers. So there's not really anything to undo aside from the doctor's guilt about it, which apparently because they therapy out of order, we don't have to really worry about if we don't want to. I don't know. It feels like such a large thing to leave – out literally one of the largest possible things you could leave out yeah, as much as we don't want to really revisit the flux storyline because i think we all agree it wasn't executed as well as it could have been do we maybe need to see some consequences of it like the doctor wanting to revisit somewhere we've been before and somewhere we cared about and is like oh that's not there anymore i want i want to see it persist i want to see the the fallout from it i don't want to see it healed or undone Mm, okay. like that, that there's really no purpose for that for us as viewers. So let us have the stories that, where that has some impact, but there's no need to go back on it. There's no need to fix it. It's not Gallifrey being destroyed. It's a, a hundred. It's thousands of unnamed planets that we're never going to visit anyway. Right. Yeah, let us see the consequences of it, but don't make it be a central to a, a fix or band aid or reinvention of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, One other thing that I really wanted to talk about was the fact that we see some difference in some time travel. So things happening at the end of the universe where the TARDIS took everyone and then also a little bit of the goblins being able to literally wipe Ruby from existence by changing something. Um, I think it was like floating on the the time rift or something like that with the crack. Time riders. Time riders. Yeah. So a little bit back to what you said, Kira, about some different fantasy, science fiction-y type of stuff, less specific science. But um, how do we feel about that? Did we feel like it, it flowed nicely between episodes and across all four of what we got to see? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I always enjoy the seeing the different takes on how time travel can be handled because sometimes it it makes sense sometimes it's like yeah that's that's how it would play out kind of thing and other times it it's completely bonkers and i like seeing all the different iterations and the thought process of like what would happen if kind of thing um and and it just makes for interesting storytelling in a show that can bounce around and be like yes these are five different possibilities of how time travel is handled and they're all true. Yeah. The, the I'm the only thing that I'm concerned about is the precedent that it's setting for how wide you can throw the doors open and that it it dilutes in a way the 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 premise of the show being this time traveler who goes around either advertently or inadvertently setting things right when they are uh, either being taken uh, away from true uh, or or are just being uh, exploited in a way where um, uh, where something can and should be done um, the if we start getting into too far into the 
Like like the day when they finally start acknowledging or, or incorporating theology, straight up theology in the show, which is something that they have very carefully tried to uh, to stay clear of. They just didn't want to get into that with the viewing audience. But there was the one line with the exchange with the toy maker saying, you know, I or whatever the, the line was, but basically challenged uh, God and made him a jack in the box. And it was a first time capital G God had shown up in a script other than someone just expressing, oh, my God. Well, we mentioned it at the time, but also in Wild Blue Yonder, Tenant's Doctor has the line about edge of creation and using that specific term. And we hear the doctor use. I, I'm not sure if, if a continuing trend like that is something that I'd personally think to add to the show. It may be executed very well. That's what it does. And I'd be more than happy to witness it if it, if it if that's what transpires. But it's probably not what I would ask to see. It's not like something I've said, you know, this – this show needs more, you know, magic and, uh, and and fantasy creatures and and vorpal swords. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I want necessarily more of that specifically, like you're saying. But I don't mind it creeping in here and there, especially if that's kind of a theme that is brought throughout. But yeah, I, I don't want to all of a sudden see, oh, the TARDIS landed here in a forest and there's a unicorn. How do we deal with this? Like that seems like it would be a step too far. It's probably a robot. I 100% want to see a unicorn. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Maybe uh, some other creature, but you know, just go visit the narwhals. From unicorns and rainbows, let's, let's take a hard left. And I want to talk about some of the horror elements that we got in these stories, um, specifically the, the body horror, uh, stuff that, that we had to deal with, with the not doctor and not Donna and their horrifying, sh uh, shifting kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the marionette guy in, in, uh, in the giggle, like these are things that while not new to doctor who we haven't seen, thrown we haven't had this much thrown at us all at once in any time that i can remember i wonder if this is where russell is at the moment with what he thinks the show needs to needs to tap into from time to time in order to stay on pace with a lot of other entertainment forms out at the moment whether or not that's your jam but it's uh, – this is not quite – it's clearly not as campy, visually campy. Uh, the, the writing may still be, you know, d d at times, you know, you've got those obvious, oh, you, you went there, oh, ooga, ooga, I get you. But uh, from a visual standpoint, you've got to kind of step up a little bit because there's a lot of content out there that is doing some very edgy stuff. And if your audience is potentially desensitized to it, then you need to make sure that you've you're, – you're keeping them – in hand. It could have been intensified because this was the specials, but I don't know. This is your next volley out of the gate, and, and this is what you're giving the audience. It definitely raises the stakes some because there's a legitimate and real threat to your person as well as emotional and psychologically, which we don't get a lot of in this show historically. And then I think, too, part of it might be that the practical effects are more fun to see. And so some of what they were able to bring in on the ship with the big arms and the melty legs and stuff is <laughs> very fun for, you know, the creation of how they're setting up the show. And then same with the dolls, right? You get a lot of that fun manipulation of things instead of just like oh, he's, there's something wrong with this human, but no, he, he's been legit turned into a doll. And that's a very different feel, a very different vibe than anything that we've seen. And it, it, it does, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but I don't think it was out of place. Like, like I said, it's, it, it's not the first time that we've had it. I mean, you think about the, the peg dolls, you think about the, the idiot's lantern where you've had the people's faces removed, like even going back to like the, the arc in space, it's, Granted, the budget was low, but you know, having green bubble wrap on somebody's arm, but having somebody like transform like that was the idea was there, if not the execution. 
And not to mention, we also, we were taken aback at the, uh, it wasn't necessarily visual, but even just the implication of adding things like the unit soldiers falling to their deaths. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's uh, just the, the intensity level of everything has been cranked up uh, a bit. And it's, it's surprising. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if to a certain percentage of the viewing audience, it's jarring. This ain't no kids show I no mean, more. <laughs> well, maybe the kids are a little hardier kids. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of the show that that coined the phrase of hiding behind the sofa. So I think it's about time we get back to that. Yeah, but that was yeah. a plunger and a whisk. I mean, come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, exactly. This is <laughs> now you, you hand a kid a plunger and a whisk these days, they're not gonna be scared of it. They're looking at it in weaponry. <laughs> Julie, you had just actually alluded to this as far as the the doctor in the in the midst of all of this uh, and their levels of uh, emotional investment uh, and attunement, really, uh, to other characters around. And that applies to both 14 and 15, I think, to a certain degree, because 14 was really taking a lot of the, I dare say, emotional flaws of 10. And those moments where uh, it's maybe it's not a flaw, but it's a it's a matter of the perspective of saying, I'm willing to let everything else burn for her and and those kind of judgment calls and just being that that intense. And then we've got 15 who is is equally intense, but not in terms of just the the reactions and the takes and those things. But it's a, a matter of the amount of of feeling and uh, and. And again, empathy. We keep coming. I keep coming to that that word. When Carla is uh, is unable to remember her family when the when the rift happens and all the photos are gone from the from the refrigerator and everything, it's the doctor who's crying for the realization of what is lost long before she has any kind of the, that back of the mind ping that gets her upset. So he's wearing his heart as far out in his sleeve as physically possible and is is constantly looking to and checking in on the state of everyone around, even back to the television camera, you know, the, the interviewer who really wasn't connected to the doctor at all. But that was the thing. I said, oh, I forgot something. I got to go tend to this. That's the thing he's tending to. This is – it seems like it's it's casting this new doctor – in a light that that is a matter of right now we need a, a therapist <laughs> right now we need we need a listening ear we need a sympathetic friend well and it's interesting that we're getting it now because if you go way back to early in tenants run the episode with the werewolf where at the end like the people around them are having tragedy in their lives and the doctor and rose are just so excited about the adventure they've been on I don't think we ever get a scene like that with this doctor and this companion. Yeah, I would also argue that the doctor is willing to go through more or take things further, especially in the Christmas special where the solution was not to adjust and correct what had been done in the past, but it was to literally take out the goblins and have them be completely wiped from existence in whatever form that that takes like they were just gone to our perspective mm. but that has to have some other in-story consequences or we may see that play out additionally in the doctor's willingness to push the envelope a little bit further and it, it, you know take characters take players off the board rather than just redirect or mm. um defend it, it was a very aggressive attack on to fix the to fix what was going wrong, but definitely more than what we've seen in the past with not really wanting to use weapons or use other um, destructive nature. But this definitely was that. The doctor always said that I hate guns. They never said I hate church spires. Those are always those. Those were always. Fair enough. Hey, it's if, the, it's not murder. It's the means. <laughs> right. If you can't control wood, just use what's there and drop right. things onto it. It's fine. But yeah, drop still, the ship like, in around the wood. <laughs> It was around it. How am I to know that it was going to go right through the heart of the Goblin King? Your Honor, I didn't stab them. I just threw them against the blade repeatedly. I used gravity to my advantage and it. He ran into my church spire. He ran into my church spire eight times. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had one last thought on this, and and it, again, I, I'm I'm trying to. I always try to throw suspicions at the at the long view. At right now, as we'll get to in the news, there are a lot of people that want to be upset about this. They they want to to rail against the things that their beloved Russell, who is going to be the savior of their show, um, is not packing away in a box and, and pretending that it doesn't exist. If anything, the light is being shown brighter and the mirrors turn more towards, as Davies himself has said, the individuals who make up the world around us. We want to see our world intensified into this you know, science fiction phenomenon. We don't want to see a world that we can't connect with because that way, if you don't do so, then you are not providing something that an audience capital A, uh, can can appreciate. So is there a possibility that you've got a doctor who is dialed in and is starting to notice all these things and takes the unusual path through, uh, through these intense situations and intensifying situations amidst a viewing audience that is getting more and more polarized – and saying, no, you can all be as angry as you want. I'm I'm in here to listen to people, to care for people, to set things right, and be that much brighter of a of a representative entity for that reaction, rather than being one that spirals into the time war or what have you. I I personally like seeing the representation, and I hope that that's how. And I think that it will be how this story will continue to unfold from the very first special and through, I mean, the band that Ruby's in, if those characters come back at all, like, I think we can see some, some more representation and the fact that the doctor pays attention to that and acknowledges it and cherishes it. I'm hopeful that I I want this show to represent the people that I love. And I think that that's awesome. And I, I do hope that that, ca- that carries through. And I think you can't do that if you have a doctor who's not, uh, who doesn't have a temperament that can handle different personalities and, and connect with them. And that is important. And I think it will carry through. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on before we, uh, before we start to wrap up is what, we got a lot of fun returning characters in this one. I mean, obviously Donna, uh, her mom, the standout being Wilf, you know, uh, but we were also introduced to a lot of really great new characters. I'm, I'm curious, who are the ones that stand out to you guys the most? Who do you want to see come back? I think that easy, I'm going to, Cherry pick that. Just is that the low hanging fruit? That is the ah. low hanging fruit. I'm just gonna cherry pick that one. I'll get out of your yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> but but in honesty, uh, uh, Ruby's uh, family is a is, is a delight. They're they're mm-hmm. uh, a, an interesting little uh, blend of people. And then obviously there's there's the Mrs. Flood mystery that we know that we want to pursue more. So everything sort of surrounding her flat is going to be kind of interesting, even down to the. The, the arguments with the neighbors or the arguments amongst amongst the neighbors and that kind of thing is all <laughs> kind of charming. We, we always love the periphery characters. It's like Yaz's family was amazing. I wanted I, – I think I said at one point that if I could just have more of them involved, well, now I've got that sort of thing. You know, it's – I don't have the bickering sister, but so be it. It's, it's a nice tee-up. I would – we know we're going to see more Mel in some capacity. Mm-hmm. But there's the whole aspect of what has been now added to Unit – so we've got uh, Shirley, and yeah, Shirley and, and, and the robot that's whose name I'm never going to remember. There you Z- go, Z Box. So maybe sure, <laughs> Zephod. Yeah, that one. Zabadex. The, the, sp- the spaghetti robot, pasta bot. Yeah. I'm going with pasta I'm, bot. Really, that's I'm not looking... accepting of his culture. <laughs> he has a culture now, or their culture. Uh, I assume gender pronouns. I apologize, robot. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Rose come back, Rose Noble. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see how she gets tied into the story. And I'm super excited to see more Shirley because I thought she was absolutely fantastic. So uh, those are my two. I, I mean, aside from the obvious, uh, you know, Cherry Sunday. But <laughs> well, it would make a lot of sense to have that that power set 
of characters if we know that unit is sort of developing itself into something where now since the since the the tom baker era or 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 prior that we wanted to know more about what unit was up to on a day-to-day you know and having the bentons and the and and characters like that to to want to check in on so so because now we've got our science expert we've got rose who still has at least in some capacity uh, some of the infinite knowledge of the meta crisis yeah yeah so uh, and we don't know and we we want to find out how much more of that still uh, resides within her and allows her to be a valuable resource um, Donna got a job with Unit, or at least got an offer. Whether she gets to keep the job or she screws it up, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see how she like, handles her coffee. Yeah. I feel like they're pretty forgiving at Unit because they know that it's all going to the crapper if we don't pick it up and uh, do our good job. So, Donna Noble brand iced coffee juice boxes. Everybody, <laughs> oh, you, they you ruined those. three floors worth of the. It's fine. This building's going to get destroyed in two weeks anyway. We'll. <laughs> <laughs> We've already got the contract started on the one down the road because we know. <laughs> we build them in triplicate now. It's just more efficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's a that's a great character set uh, that we've had sort of recently handed to us that I'd I'd love to see uh, do more. And, and the fact that the TARDIS is built and ready for a larger group, as yeah. well as it's handicap accessible, which is amazing because it allows for different um, involvement. It is a lot of uh, it's a lot of uh, pathways in there with all the ramps and things, and not a lot of like like landing surfaces. You got the console, and you got a bunch of stuff winding around it to doors. That's but a lot I feel of wasted like, space. I don't feel like it's wasted space because you can stack a lot of people sort of like um, a, a stage where you've got a lot of people just kind of like standing or parked along the railing and uh, everyone's shouting down over. Uh, so back back yeah. to Haley's question about musical numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Big ensemble numbers. <laughs> oh, the acoustics in there have got to be banging. <laughs> I mean, if you have a jukebox, you had best make yeah. sure that it can reverberate appropriately. With, a, with an amazing light show to boot. So there you go. So with with the jukebox being mentioned, that leads us to the the final point that we want to touch here. What are the unanswered questions that we have moving forward? I mean, Kira already mentioned the, the Mrs. Flood mystery and what's mm-hmm. going on with that. The, the obvious whose fingernails were those that we saw picking up the master's tooth. You know, the, what are some other ones I'm forgetting here? Uh, Ruby's parentage. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. Who was the yeah. who was mm-hmm. the individual in the, in the hooded cloak? Was it 13? And if it was, why? <laughs> it's not. Don't worry. I don't know. They made such a big deal um, about, that, about is, the high water pants. Who is the boss that was mentioned by Tony Danza. Is, <laughs> well, who, other than who that. is the boss, and are they the same as the one who waits? Yep, right. Or yeah. Are they two separate entities? Mm-hmm. It's the hybrid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, w- yeah. Where does the uh, villain character that Jinx Monsoon is going to be playing uh, fit into this, or is it just a uh, a one off? Um, the yeah the 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 tooth the, the tooth is a the tooth is a good one. Although there's other aspects of that whole exchange that I wanted to know whether that was him was that Russell leaving breadcrumbs to say, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on uh, Norse mythology. I'm gonna hit all these things. You're, it's gonna be fantastic when you get there. Um, and I want to know what other aspects of the Timeless Child or or any elements of the of the Flux arc are gonna are gonna have a long tail here, or is it something that um, that we've just he just wanted to to sort of pull an embrace around and say, you know, we take uh, we take our ugly kids with our beautiful kids and we put them all in the family photo and mm-hmm. and leave it at that. And does Wilf ever actually get the moles? I don't think that that's just there <laughs> in the perpetuity of he's hunting right. forever. We're, we're never going to get that answer. No, yeah, no. that's the end. <laughs> but that's the big oh. question I have. Yeah. Um, what new aspects uh, we got? We got the new Sonic, right? And we've been sort of wondering about that thing. Whether it's it's sort of going to be pulled back as far as what it can accomplish, or is it just going to continue to get um, the magic trick of the week? Who is the mm. woman that is buying all the toys in? Yes, when do we see country? Susan, who's living in Uganda? <laughs> she could have moved. Abu Dhabi. It was Abu, Abu Dhabi, Dhabi. Who, who loved buying up all the gonks. 
Susan. She's out there. She's waiting. She's ready. (laughs) I heard it. She told me. So wrapping up, we made it through most of 2023 waiting for these specials. So it should feel like nothing to now wait until May to begin the new season. Right? Right? (laughs) Yeah, we can make it. It's not that far. It's not. We're we're four weeks out. So we got another four months. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I guess it has it has felt longer, it has felt worse in the in the past with these breaks. This one doesn't quite hurt as much. And I think I have to credit a little bit of that to the fact that the marketing department is just killing it with material out there all the time. So if they're not providing new things, they're at least keeping the conversations and the theories and everything else floating so that people can continue to talk about it and stay excited about it until something new is there to put in their hands. I think the thing that's that's getting to me the most right now is knowing that it's coming. Before it was just a, hey, you'll get Doctor Who at some nebulous point in the future. And you just kind of had to like take every day as like, uh, well, maybe, no, no news today. Now we actually know. So there's the anticipation is actually real now. And it's yeah. driving me up the wall. It's, it's, it's more fun to wonder about something that you know the answer is there and it's being withheld from you. Than just wondering about something and not even knowing if there's an answer. But here's the thing. You could watch one of these episodes every day for the upcoming months, and then you'd have enough content to get you there. And you won't get tired, I promise. (laughs) She she promises. (laughs) There's a lot of mavity in that statement. You have enough time to compare that hand picking up the tooth to every actress in Hollywood and Britain. So get on it. And let's so, hope that it wasn't just like this guy's aunt who happened to be on set. And they said, can you just go pick this up for us, please? <laughs> we, we camera was rolling. We had taken it off of the dolly and it was just laying there. We forgot. And they're like, oh, we could use that. I'm telling you, it looked like a Zarbi hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looked just like a Zarbi hand. I have to see what color uh, nail polish uh, Carol Ann Ford wears on a regular basis. Not like they couldn't have her change it. No, no. Nah. When you got it, when you got a signature, it's got to be what she normally wears. Yeah. We've gotten a fair bit of news in the intervening weeks. Intervening news in intervening <laughs> weeks. I don't really know. Well, yeah, this a lot of this stuff comes. We, we were getting things right around when the specials were airing. There was like stuff happening simultaneously as they were airing or we heard stuff about next week or so on. <laughs> and then it slowed down a little bit and the rumor mill had already been like churned up to, to full speed and said, nah, we're not done. We, we have more things to talk about. Even if you're not going to put out any official press releases, we're going to spread rumors. Uh, the problem is sometimes these rumors might work. Where do you want to begin? Let's talk about the, the most recent big story that uh, we have to put out the caveat that this has, as of time of this recording, has not been confirmed, but it is being reported by so many places that it's starting to look like it's actually uh, legit. Mm-hmm. Um, the rumor is out that uh, that uh, Millie Gibson is going to be out after one series as the companion. Yeah. That feels Which- like a bummer. It is, and I've been thinking about this a lot for the last couple of days. It's, I think, what threw me was not the fact that it's happening because it happens, and mm-hmm. the the yeah. the timing of it really isn't unprecedented at all. Other than the fact that this is it's going to be a short season; it's only eight episodes, so plus the the Christmas special that she had been in. So it, but maybe as far as total airtime, it's it's a little bit light, but it's not unheard of for uh, Martha. Had a mm-hmm. single season and uh, and and didn't Don, really get Donna had had like half a season and a couple specials. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Bill was a single season. Yeah, yeah. Bill was a single oh, season. Some of our most beloved. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so because it, it's it, because it, they hit it hard. They tell their story and then you they leave you wanting more. They go home mm-hmm. before you get tired of them, <laughs> which every <laughs> family member should understand. <laughs> so the the thing that's bothering me the most is most of the news articles that's, that are covering this are using the the phrase that she is being dropped from the show. Yeah, and that, that kind of 
it it's it feels like the kind of stuff that was coming out about Colin Baker or about Christopher Eccleston. It makes it feel like there is a, a some kind of issue going on that meant she had to be let go. But we know that she's while she's not going to be in the next Christmas special, she did do some filming for season two. So it makes me feel like while she might be leaving after the first season as the companion, she will be back for a, a couple story beats or something moving forward. So that doesn't feel like a we've got to write her out because issues. Right. So I, I don't know where to look I at just this. I have to wonder if it's because of the filming schedule and people are seeing a different somebody on set and rather than be behind it because of, as Kier mentioned, the marketing is much more dialed in and engaged. They want to get in front of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, the language is what it is and hopefully it's not something bad. Hopefully it's just like they're whoever's reporting it, but that we're getting the info and it, it's just one of those like, this is happening. Let's keep you up to date so you're not seeing set photos and wondering. Right. Which is kind of – they're at the tipping point right now because if they don't make any kind of a statement, uh, it's it's all but confirmed mm -hmm. because there's no – as we're going to find out in a second, there, there are things out there like production contracts and, and documentation that goes along with preparing for filming and, 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 and casting – um, that uh, for talent houses and such, where this stuff leaves a paper trail and it's a digital paper trail at this point, and most of this stuff with very little effort is generally publicly accessible. So, if you don't, you the the production team, the the marketing team, the the BBC drama, don't decide to just say, you know, we're so thrilled to have had this time uh, with Ms. Gibson uh, to to provide a character that we know you've seen glimpses of and you're going to adore for the season to come and so on and so on and put the PR together. If they don't do that, then that leaves these sources with unconfirmed material that isn't that isn't being discounted and they just get to churn and, and get to to apply the 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 verbs like dropped rather than uh, is leaving or has taken an, uh, taken on another role. Mm. I don't know, but hopefully we get some, some news one way or the other before too long, because I, uh, the, it's going to get out of control if the BBC doesn't address the rumor at this point. Right. Yeah. So I think the only thing that was really jarring me about it was just the fact that it was happening so early. You know, if this were mid season yeah. this season or this coming season, it wouldn't really seem like much because i think we kind of knew when jenna coleman was exiting we kind of knew we we would see the writing on the wall for some of the other talent involved in the show but we were in the middle of consuming their content so it wasn't it didn't feel quite as final or abrupt it's like we yeah. just met her and mm -hmm. and now we're already trying to figure out well how, how are they going to work her out of this yeah that's a problem with working two seasons ahead I'm not complaining. Uh, don't get yeah. me wrong. But that's, yeah, that's a good you've point. already recorded everything she's got to go, likely. Maybe there's some very interesting twist that we will find out about. And it doesn't have to be the cliffhanger end of the season because she's going to be on a little bit. I'm not mad at that. But because of times being what they are and everything being so accessible and out there, you have to get ahead of some of that stuff. And this is the fallout of that. This is the problem with... Content that's already in production. Well, that I, th I, I think that this is the kind of thing that like this is the way the news cycle is going to go now, and it's it the news comes much quicker now than it did when, uh, you know when when Martha was the companion, um, you know when when Freema left the show, you didn't get these these kind of you know instant uh, updates like you do mm -hmm. now. And we're just uh, we're not used to it because the gaps in the ser series have been so long before now that n news didn't seem like it was abrupt at that point. So this just might be the new normal. It's also just a different social media landscape that we have. Yeah, like you didn't have this kind of engagement and and yeah. um, paparazzi going to spoil snoopery. Things. Yeah. <laughs> But why don't they all just do like Skywalker Ranch and build a giant filming dome? Because then you wouldn't get all of the 
variety of scenery that we see in Doctor Who and Wouldn't I'm not you mad. Know? No, I don't I mean, think you could just green screen that in. Yeah, it works for the Mandalorian. Look, they go to other worlds and stuff. <laughs> worlds. Yeah, but it's all just gray sandy worlds. It's not that bad. Uh sometimes, we're talking way different. <laughs> sometimes it's got a lagoon that's like full of dinosaurs and stuff. Sure. Like the Thames. Uh, moving to our next piece of news. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, um, yeah, we mentioned the uh, the unit team and wanting to be able to see some uh, some continued adventures with them. This may not be what you had in mind. And this is, I, I guess I kind of call this unconfirmed, but still sort of rumory too. It alludes to the fact that there's documentation out there for things that are potentially being greenlit for production. And the thought is that we do have actual a series that has been given the nod. Um, we don't know how many episodes it might be or when it's expected to be something to be handed forth, uh, but it would be filming uh, within the year to follow that involves unit, but not what we thought it was going to be. It's kind of the sea devils in unit. The amount of information we have on this is so light and filled with speculation. I'm not, I'm not willing to to accept it at face value. I, this could be something as simple as one of the first monsters they have to go up against is sea devils. Yeah. It, okay. It, yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to follow, like jump down this rabbit hole and be like, what kind of series would they do with sea devils? You really can't. Uh, right. But you don't know. It's. We, it's just a thing saying like there's paperwork that the sea devils, you know, somebody wrote down sea devils on something, so they've got to be involved in some, and it's it's all kind of speculation and guesswork mm. at this point. So, so you're thinking it, that it, the, rather than the than the series being about this, it's that's this is just sort of the the production uh, write up for an episode of that series, and it's just being sort of mistitled. Or- it it might be that they are the primary antagonist that unit has to deal with they become the you know, the go to kind of how we had the the weevils in in torchwood mm. you've got the sea devils that are the kind of constant threat that they can throw in whenever they need to i don't know right. that's the thing is that we have so little to go on here that you can throw anything at the wall and see what sticks and maybe be right so i'm just i'm i'm going to wait until we get a little bit more information on this before i start really getting excited i'm not as familiar with what what these kind of documents uh represent as far as what what ink has been dried or potentially how much money has been put into uh, into you know throwing these stakes in the ground but i'm wondering if this kind of works in some capacity like a uh like a patent office sort of thing you know we we want to just i I, i'm going to place this holder here and I might pursue it if some of these other things take off, or I'm, we might just abandon it if um, if our, our resources are going to be better allocated towards these five other things that you didn't find out about. Yeah, I, I don't know what what British licensing uh, deals may look like, so it's it's hard for me to guess. Yeah. Mm. Well, you do have some things that you can guess, uh, and they can guess about uh, uh, one of our beloved uh, current villains as we go through our classic rewatch, and that's the Ronnie, because the Ronnie was actually supposed to get name-checked in our specials and was mysteriously removed from the final edit of the script. You determine why. But it happened during an exchange between uh, Donna and Mel at the end of the giggle when the bi-generation uh, was being witnessed, and uh, I think Mel had or Donna had asked Mel if she had ever seen anything of this sort before. And Mel had to explain that, no, she didn't get to see uh, Colin Baker's regeneration because she was unconscious, having been un- un- knocked unconscious by the Ronnie. And that was trimmed from the cut. I have to think that it was cut because of pacing and timing and just it's, mm-hmm. it's not important enough to keep in to slow down the moment that as it was happening mm-hmm. or right after then it then it feels delayed and like you're plugging it so that it got yeah. released i'm not i'm not mad about if that becomes something as we've all we're hoping and guessing because i think it would be a fun time lord to see but mm-hmm. uh i i yeah i don't i don't think that i i would be upset that it got cut no i mean especially when you think about where this would have taken place and 
in the first viewing, we're meant to believe that this is the regeneration. This was an emotional moment for us. We were about to say goodbye to David Tennant again. And to throw in dialogue like this would have just completely let the air out of that balloon. It would have just – it would have felt like, no, I, I'm I'm in the middle of my feels right now and you're trying to throw lore at me and I don't want it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, taking that out and letting the moment be what it is, looking back on it now, it's like, yeah, you could have thrown dialogue in and it would have been fine because we didn't actually have to you know, go mm-hmm. sobbing into our pillow. But in the moment, it would have felt terrible. It just left me with the question as to why there's there has to be tomes uh, of great one-liners and exchanges that were left on the editing room floor for that very reason. Mm-hmm. Why did this one uh, get shared with the public to say, by the way, did you know ah, 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 we took this out? <laughs> because RTD has gotten to a level of it, uh, of teasing the audience that few can aspire to. He is the troll under the bridge. He is having a conversation that I do not know if I'm ready for. (laughs) Because they're priming the audience for the Ronnie to come back, just like they did with the toy maker. Well, and that's the thing is it it may be that the Ronnie is coming back. It may not be. It may be that that Russell is just winding us up because he knows that that name keeps coming up in fan circles. And he's like, hey – that there was actually a line in there. What does that do for you guys? And then just watch mm-hmm. us start spinning and chasing our tails. Yeah. So because he reads the comments of all of, yeah. of all the people who shouldn't be reading the comments, he reads the comments and he giggles at them. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if anything actually comes of it. But it it is interesting that it was put in there. It's true. Uh, when we come back in a couple of weeks, we will be going back to our classic rewatch with the the two doctors. Yeah. Double your doctors, double your companions. This is when you get multi-companions, which is always cool. It's not just a multi-doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to revisit this one again. Mm-hmm. This has been episode 512 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Jay saying, I'm going to go take a nap. Somebody wake me up when it's May. <laughs> And this is Kira saying, noble brand sippy cups. <laughs> this is Julie saying, because there is such a law as Mavity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. And this is Haley saying, does anybody else hear a dog? We'll see you next time. I'm Ozzy. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. copyrighted in 2024. GPR is a fan-owned, fan-produced podcast. We'll see you next time!